first Peter. Go to the New Testament, go all the way near the end. You see a little book called First Peter. And we will look at chapter one, verse three. Listen to these words, pay attention. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundance mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that faith is not the way reserved in heaven for you. Verse 5, my message for the day. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I'm going to talk today on the subject, kept by the power of God. Kept by the power of God. As we are embarking upon the uncharted path that we have not traveled before, in this new year of uncertainty, we still are perplexed and disturbed over the recent news and reports that we have been hearing from the media and the press about how many lives have been lost and they just reported yesterday because of New Year's that another great wave of death is going to come during this month and throughout the month of February. That doctors and nurses are afraid, running out of room at hospitals, putting patients in tents during this freezing season when so much storm is going to be taking place and more pandemic are beginning to rise, even new strands that we have not heard about. Uh, I often say, now you have one coming from Africa, now one in the UK, and now people still don't see God, in my opinion, is getting the world ready for his return. God has given us all the signs and wonders of what he's about to do. And now you have a bee that we've been afraid of, the killer bee, that we've been worried about trying to keep it from coming to our country. And now, because we didn't get the queen in time, she has migrated here in America, and these bees, one sting from them, they're almost this long, one sting from them will kill you. And we're really afraid of this bee. This bee can come in and destroy a whole honey by itself, kill everything, which means honey won't produce. And if you don't have any bees, you will, flowers will not be able to nectar the flower. That will mean a lot of our fruits we will not have because of the bees and the insect that gets in there and navigates and also get the nectar from those uh, uh, plants 
and growth come as a result of the fruits and the flowers we have. We really need bees. They do a lot more for us. And if you don't have no flowers, no plants, no peaches, no oranges, a lot of things is taking place that you are not paying attention to. Once we get over one thing, here comes another. And the Bible declared it in the word that scorpions will come and that these insects will come and sting man. And as a result, also will come locals that will eat up all the crop, which will cause starvation. The Bible describes a great world earthquake is going to take place worldwide that will blot out the sun. I've often wondered, as some theologians have always wondered, uh, will the church go through the great tribulation period? There's been a controversy, amillennial, premillennial, postmillennial. Now, those are theological words that I want to get into with you today. Uh, but I did a series of sermons on the king is coming, and you can order that tape, the king is coming, where I break down the end of time and how the Lord will return. But there are men who believe the church is going through the great tribulation period. What that means, we will not be raptured up before the Antichrist come, that we will witness him and we witness his persecution against the church, how he will behead Christians and murder Christians and shut down churches and, and cause many who will not take his mark to suffer. That the church is going through the trial and tribulation that we will be witnessing as well as that there'll be a great revival that's going to worldwide revival is going to take place but then many will be left behind. We don't know how God's going to do, but he's given us some hints with all this is happening. When we get over one thing, then people are going to say, where is the promise of his keeping? Where is God now? And then the Bible says, while they're thinking all is well, great destruction will come down on. We don't know what's going on with nuclear power in the hands of enemies that are trying to make this country fall let me warn America right now, as I speak and the Lord is speaking through me, that Rome did not fall because another country beat them. Rome fell because of inside corruption. Rome fell in 312 BC, and they fell because uh, of, of inside destruction, uh, uh, or after the death of Christ. Rome fell because there were so many people craving for that seat to be, you know, the, the leader and uh, the Roman emperor. And they never could keep nobody after Julius Caesar died and Pompey and, and others, uh, Nero, or just to name a few of the Roman emperors. And they started a uh, war after war within the Senate, craving for that seat. Over 50 emperors were killed in less than 20 years. Because everybody got in that power, everybody envied them, and they stabbed them, and they murdered many of the leaders. When Rome got so corrupt and started worshiping idol gods and persecuting Christians for over 300 years, that's when things started to falling apart from Rome, which ruled the world. You got the Senate from the Rome. That's why we call it the Senate. You got your calendar from Rome. Monday through the, those, those days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they were named after gods, by the way. Sunday, it was the, the word Sunday is in the name of a sun god. 
just so you just know you got your dates and calendar from Rome. How powerful Rome was, and she did not fall because nobody could beat her. Nobody could whip Rome. But she fell from inside corruption. When we fight each other and we got racism, we got division here, and we got leadership all confused. And when we got all that, to, that's why other countries are watching us for cyber attack. Because they're waiting on America to get so busy fighting amongst themselves, and that's when they'll make a move. Better wake up, America. Don't think you so big, you can't fall. And if America fall, I know my history, baby. I, I was good in history school, and I know church history too. But let me also tell you, when a country gets corrupt on the inside, they take their eyes off the enemy. Amen. And that's what the enemy is waiting on. And don't say it won't happen. Look, when I did my study, just about most countries only last about 200 years. And we have already touched 200 years. So we have better put our mind back focusing on God. I believe that, got to remember, if America falls, Israel falls. And the Israel is the time clock. I don't know why I got in all this. But Israel is the time clock. Maybe God's trying to use me today. Israel is the time clock for the end of time. Why would a little old country have so much controversy and all they want to do is have a home? But they want to drive them to the sea as the study is in Islam. Drive them to the sea. Uh, so why they hate it so much about why did the Jews been so persecuted of all races? Because the devil hate them. Jesus was a Jew. And Jesus coming back to put an end to the devil, the Bible teach, a Jew. So the devil despised Israel. Pray for the peace of Israel. But the Bible says in the 38th chapter, 39th chapter of Ezekiel, that she will be attacked from the king of the north and the king of the south. And the king of the north is Russia and the king of the south is Egypt. And then in the army of Armageddon, there will be a war. The king of the east, which is China with 200 million. And then the west, all going to meet and fight. And I think they're going to fight over oil, in my opinion. Because God put all oil in the Middle East. Think about that, to bring the world there. We are in some strange time, but people don't know what's going on. I know what's going on. I know what this Bible says. And we better make sure we keep our eyes on God. Now, we're saying all that. This is what happened a long time ago when the church was under persecution. The church were being persecuted by Nero, who was a madman, and many believe he went crazy when he became in power. Nero was so wicked as an emperor, he would persecute Christians, and then he would hang them on little trees in the, uh, in the night and put them in wax, like he made them out of wax, a candle, and put their bodies in his wax and hang them on trees and whatnot. And then he would get in his chariot at night, butt naked, in the middle of the night and ride through and light them and sing and, and make wild noises as he watched Christians burn and light up. And many believe that he set Rome afire himself so he could burn down Rome and build up another one for himself and he blamed it on the Christians. That's why they start persecuting Christians. You'll learn that in church history. So when you think about all this, what happened? 
Peter got caught in that situation. Peter, the apostle Peter. So Peter now, uh, uh, Jesus gone back and now he preached on the day of Pentecost and many joined the church. Now Peter is an apostle. He, he's writing in the book of Peter. Some people thought Peter was ignorant. Well, an ignorant man wouldn't write two letters like this. Peter wrote this letter to the saints who are being persecuted in the Roman providence. They are being murdered. They are being killed by Romans because Romans thought these Christians, when you believe it or not, were unbelievers. Why? Wait a minute. They are saying we didn't believe in the gods. So the Christians were being persecuted because they're called unbelievers. And the Christians wouldn't celebrate worshiping the Zeus and worshiping the idol gods in the temple. The Christians held back. And the Romans said this is a strange group of people. And one of the strange things that you learn in church history, one of the reasons why Rome did not accept Christians at the time is over the Lord's Supper. Two things upset the Jews about the Lord's Supper. You know in Judaism and Israel fruit laws, you do not mix blood with with animals. You don't eat any animal with blood in it. That's against Israel fruit, fruit laws and food laws. You, they had to always, I've been in certain countries where you, if there's some blood in it, blood is supposed to be contaminated because all disease will be in blood. That's why they tell you be careful about eating steak with blood running all out of it. Because the blood is what carries everything in your body. They said cook your food well, amen? So here's what you got. The Jews could not accept us eating a man's body and drinking his blood. That was foolish to the Hellenistic world. You mean these Christians are, are practicing cannibalism? So when they got to thinking about that, then they got to the Romans. They said, these are fools. They're eating bodies and drinking human blood. They didn't grasp it. Metaphorically speaking, they just couldn't grasp it. How can you be eating a man's body and be a part of him? That's one thing that made the Romans go against Christians is the Lord's Supper. But we who are saints knew and know what the Lord's Supper means. It's being partakers of Christ's suffering. When you eat this bread and drink this wine, this is the only thing Jesus told us to remember him for. Do this in remembrance of me. He didn't ask you to remember nothing else. Because without the shedding of the blood and him giving his body, there's no remission of sin. Teach for him. Now you're going to understand why they persecute and why people call you crazy for eating bread and drinking wine. That you're a fool. So you don't know what it means. See, your language, God language, too tight. Two different kind of language. You got, let me tell you something. You know why you don't understand God's handwriting and we do? Because we know our daddy's handwriting. And you're not God's child, so you ought, you ought to know your daddy's hand. <laughs> so we know what it means. Now, to say it all that say this, they're being persecuted. So Peter decides to give the word a comfort to the saints who are being persecuted in the Roman providence. And if you read a few verses, that'll tell you what, what cities they were persecuted in. He wanted to give them a word of comfort like I come to give you a word of comfort during this pandemic. All the things that were going wrong and the persecution and the death, the Christians were trying to understand why we're being hated and why we're being fed to hungry lions and why we're burned at the stake and why they're snatching our children from us and running over them with the gladiators and fighting us in the gladiators in this Roman uh, 
Capitol and in the, in the auditorium and why are they burning us and hanging us on crosses and putting us in kennels of oil, boiling us to death and filleting our bodies. They did all that to wipe out Christianity and look like the more they tried to wipe it out, the more it was spread. Somebody said the blood of the saints is the seed for the church of God. The blood of the saint is the seed for the house of God. So every time they shed blood, the church grew. Have you ever gone through something look like the more the enemy try to wipe you out, the better you get? Have you ever gone through something look like the more the devil mess with you, the more you pray? That's what happened. I got something in my pants one day and I didn't read the direction and I went and got something to wipe it out, but I put water on it. And when it got through, it had a bigger spot there than it had before I put it on. <laughs> See, I didn't know how to use it right. So, you know, when sometimes when something mess with you, it makes you pray harder. It makes you look up to God. And now you're getting stronger behind your persecution. And what, instead of wiping out the church, the church grew from persecution. Help me, Holy Ghost. I had to go through all that to get my foundation so I can build. Now... Peter said, we got an inheritance. Are you in this pandemic and you're wondering how to survive? How do you survive in a pandemic? You ought to read this. Well, we're blessed be the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, which is according to the abundance of mercy, has forgotten of us again unto the living hope. We have the living hope. That's how you survive a pandemic. That's how we're going to survive this year. You've got to have your hope in God. Now, I want you to know God is not just uh, the truth. True. He is truth. God is not just showing you a way. He is the way. God doesn't just give you life. He is life. So God is not just showing you hope. He is hope. Our hope through all of this tragedy is not in the president-elect or the president going out or the Congress or the Senate or nobody else. Our hope is in the living God who is hope. We must keep our eyes on the hand of God, not the eyes on the hand of man. We got hope. Even when you leave here and you die, you got hope. You don't have to worry about where you're going to spend eternity. And when, you know, you, may, you need to be more concerned about where you're going than where you are. And I always tell young people, it's not so much where you are, but where you're going. That distinguishes your success in your future. Where you are now is not where you're going to be. So don't get all worried about things looking bad right now. You're going somewhere. Now, if you're not going nowhere, then you're in bad shape. We are headed somewhere. This is not our home. God is preparing us for a better place where there be no sickness, no death, no pain. Where we go is more important than where we are. Are you getting yourself ready for the return of Jesus? Everybody need to have hope in God. Hope thou in God. This is telling us we have a living hope, not a dead hope. This world belongs to God. 
Now, when you think about this, he also says we got the living hope. We have an inheritance. God has an inheritance. I don't know what you got inherited. Some of you all waiting on somebody inherited. <laughs> Amen. You've heard you're going you to get an inheritance, and you just can't wait. You're rubbing your thumb, about to rub them off. You're just waiting on somebody to die. So you can get that inheritance. And then when you get that inheritance, you'll be broke the next year. Everybody that wins a lottery always end up broke. Because they don't know what to do with that much money. You win that lottery, Bubba broke his leg, Judy, Judy outdoors can't get in, and 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 <laughs> my auntie got sought out. <laughs> Everybody can't vote. Go to work, you did that. You win that lottery, you gotta leave town, pack up, and go somewhere for kinfolk, and then they'll find you. They will worry you to death when you find they find out you got some money, and most folk get broke because they don't know how to handle that kind of money, and they broke in the next week, a month, or two or three years. So we got to put our hope in Christ, but now you got a great inheritance in Christ. It's not about what's going to happen to the loved ones you have lost. Go listen to my sermon when I put it on there about uh, how to cope with the death of a loved one. Take it from somebody who had to suffer with the death of a loved one. You got to learn that you are not your own. You belong to God. Your mother and your father, your husband, your sister, whoever they be, belong in the hands of God. And we as Christians should not moan and weep and give up on God because that's not why we're here. We're here to let our light shine, to let the world know we're going somewhere. And we can't put it all in here. That's why all this is happening. God is telling us, don't put your hope in this world. It's falling apart. Day by day. I ain't worrying about nothing when I'm gone. Because I know the Lord. And you better know the Lord. That whatever happens, and whatever comes behind that, you save. That's the joy. Now, if you're not saved, you better worry. I told you, the only reason why I don't want to go to hell is forever. Now, if somebody could go to hell for about 10 years, some of y'all would try. <laughs> and some of you say, we won't be there but a few years. We're coming out. I'm going to go on and do what I want to do because I get out in 10 years. Not this place. There's a whole lot of interest but no exit. So get your life right. And you don't have to be perfect. You just got to trust God with whatever it is. The devil is a lot to you. You know you're going to hell because you ain't doing what you're supposed to do. You need to tell the devil you're not doing what you're supposed to do either. <laughs> God, leave me alone. Amen. The devil lie is to point the bad in you. But you need to say, what about the grace on me? <laughs> Unmerited favor. Oh, God, help me teach and preach. So here I got an inherit. I'm going somewhere. This is why James, one thing he said, don't worry about all you're going through because you, if you're still here, you kept. Oh, God, by the power of God. Look at somebody and point at them and say, I may not be able to touch you because of social distance. But you are kept. God, you are kept. This word kept is a military word. It's like soldiers or armies are watching over the country and watching over the king's treasures and watching over everything as to say, we keeping it. 
We're keeping it. We're not going to let nobody come in here and take over our country. We're not going to let you come in here and destroy our king. We are guards. We are soldiers. We are keeping. Have you ever kept something and God put something in your hand and said, keep it? I had an old preacher years ago. He said when he go before the Lord, he said, Lord, uh, I got ten commandments. He said, now, Lord, they broke up, but I kept them. <laughs> <laughs> he said, why you say that? Well, he said, keep them. <laughs> said, so some of you all can already say, Lord, I, I, got a ten, I got all ten, but they sure broke up. But I kept them. <laughs> Praise God. He said, I kept them. So God wants to keep you. You may not be all you want to be, but you are kept by the power of God. How do you think you made it last year? How do you think you made it through all that everything that went wrong in so many? How did you make it with no income when you were laid off and didn't have no money? Kept! Kept by the power of God. I want you to raise your hand and thank God he kept you. Do you know why God's keeping you by his power? Because you can't keep yourself. You're not big enough to keep yourself. You so dumb, you don't even know what's going on while you're asleep. <laughs> you ever seen anybody a dead sleep? Sometimes they're dead sleep. I remember when I was in school, we studied, studied the, the DNA process, first stage of sleep and the second stage of sleep and the third stage of sleep. First stage of sleep, you're just lying there, you're conscious. Second stage of sleep, you're lying there, but you're still here. You ever seen people act like they're sleeping here? you? But then the third stage of sleep, you're dead sleep. You don't know what clothes could be off you and everybody looking at you. <laughs> and you don't know you even covered up. Amen. That's the stage. See, you got to remember God is keeping you. You don't even have sense to know what's going on when you're asleep. See, God is keeping you because you can't keep yourself. You think you keeping yourself. Some folk think money's keeping them. But that's something money can't buy. Money can buy a house, but it can't buy a home. Money can buy food, but it can't buy appetite. Mm. Money can buy a beautiful mattress, but it can't buy rest. Money can buy you something to stop your tongue from hurting, but it can't buy you nothing to stop you from lying. Boy, if the doctor could give me some medicine, stop some of you off a line, I'd pay for this prescription. Same thing, money came by. Rich man died one time, and he was buried in a gold casket, in a gold Cadillacs, up, standing up, and they were parading him to his casket. And some two poor men were looking out. And one of them said, man, that sure is living. <laughs> that's not living, that's dead. <laughs> I don't care what you ride, why fancy your casket is, you're dead. Something money came by even in a gold casket. And then they buried him in the gold casket, and two jokers went in there and stole that gold casket. And just like two Negroes one time, they said Negroes scared a graveyard. And the white people said, whatever we got, put it in the graveyard. Black folk ain't going to mess with it. They scared of the graveyard. 
So they had some money, brother, amen, and a gold chest, and they took it at night and buried it in a graveyard. Two Negroes standing all looking. And they put on the top of the graveyard, they said, dead and buried. When they left, those two black men went there and dug it up and put it on the top, risen and gone. <laughs> risen and gone. <laughs> you can't hide nothing from us, amen. But of all you have in this world, someday money came by. Rich folk get divorces. Rich folk tab houses and mansions. Find it out. One of our greatest basketball and football players, and he, uh, Deion Sanders, we were on TBN together, and after we got through, he turned his life to the Lord, and we were talking. I had preaching. They were speaking, and uh, he said, Pastor, I had money. I had women. I had houses. I had cars. But in my fancy car, I was in Hollywood. I was finna run off the cliff. And I said, well, well, well Why? He said, I was so miserable. I thought all the money and all the women and all the cars would do it. But I wanted to commit suicide. Because he said, things, money can't buy. I want to be happy. And he gave himself to the Lord and became a Christian. You want all of that. But it doesn't bring happiness. What good is it to be in a big old mansion and mad? You better off in a little old shack when you're happy. Are you listening to me? You're all going after a dollar. You're going after that money. You're going after that fame. But ask the people who are movie stars, what you killing yourself for? Why did you kill yourself? Why did you commit suicide? Look at the greatest singer. Look at Michael Jackson. Got to take so much an overdose because he can't sleep at night. Look at what happened to, what's that other guy? Prince. And look at what happened to Marilyn Monroe, the most beautiful woman in the world. Commit suicide. Because this world can't make you happy. Kept. Not by no money. Some folks think they're kept by their fame. Everybody loves you. Everybody patting you. Everybody looking up to you. Want to be around you. But you're not kept by your fame and your popularity. We are kept by the power. Some people think, some people think science is keeping us. Well, science is more worried than you about a, um, a meteorite or something hitting the earth. They're predicting one is going to hit. They know that there are several volcanoes about to erupt, but they don't want to scare the public. And they also know that once it does, it's going to blacken out the sky and your plants are going to die for getting no sun for photosynthesis. Science is very scared about what they know. They can't tell the world or the world will panic. You can't depend on science to keep you. You can't depend even on your church to keep you. You can join a church because it's a nice big church and people follow one another and a lot of folk running out the church because everybody go there. Uh -huh. 
When we first moved here, everybody was coming here, moving stars and everybody else because it was a new church, never seen no green church with chandeliers before, and everybody was flocking here, and you don't see them now because they weren't joining God, they were joining the crowd and joining the building. That's not where God is. If you join the church following people, you're going to end up leaving it because people are not your source of income and your joy. You need to be following God, not the preacher, but God, not the building, but God. Not even a position. <laughs> God, help me, Holy God. Not even a position that you got in the church. Some of you all are married to a position. That's why I don't let you stay but three years so you can get yourself on out of here. Get in that position, stay too long, then you think you own it, then come in here and try to tell me what to do. <laughs> I tell the pastor what to do. And you can't preach a lick. <laughs> if I put you up here at the church or walk out, you go to Flunkersville. Some people find every error the preacher make, or he made a mistake with his, with his diction. He said that wrong. Why don't you get up here one time <laughs> and try this when all folk looking at you? You'll make a lot of grammatical error. It's not about maybe bad grammar, but good preaching. You can stand here and face a whole lot of folk and don't make mistakes. I'd like to see you. You better hear the word. You better be listening to the word. Amen. Be like that mama and daughter were talking. Mama said, I'm going to town. And daughter said, Mama, don't say I'm going. Say I'm going. She said, whether we're going or going, we're going to end up downtown. <laughs> man, man, you better make sure you can get that point over. <laughs> now, I'm not encouraging young people to speak background, but I'm just letting you know, can you make the point? So don't, you know, you're not kept by your education. A lot of y'all think, well, I get an education and I'm kept by my degree. I'm going to have you laugh a little bit before I make you cry. Some people are so into degrees. Two men were looking one time out and there was a watermelon patch. And one man saw another man who was uneducated stealing watermelons. So the two educated men said, if he was educated, he wouldn't be out there stealing watermelon. The other man said, no, if he was educated, he'll steal a whole patch. <laughs> he'll find a way to steal it all. Sometimes you have to fear the most, the most people who are called the intelligentsia. You got to watch them when you sign something. They're the people that'll rip you off. You can't put your hope in your degrees. You can go off and get all the education you want and still don't get hired. You better learn how to humble yourself down, learn how to take some stuff, learn how to say yes, sir, and no, ma'am, and learn how to respect your superior, and learn how to go to work looking right, smelling right, acting right, and humble yourself down, or you'd be starving with a PhD. Help me, Holy Ghost. I'm kept. How you know you kept, Fleming? I'm kept because of who I know. The God that I know is able to keep me. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with your powerful hand. 
I'm kept because I know who God is. And when I know who God is, I know he's going to keep me in season and out of season. When I know who God is, he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. That's why I'm kept by the power of God. I'm not kept by no angel. I'm not kept by no song. I'm not kept by no preaching. I'm kept by the power. Webster said power is the strength and capacity to do things. Strength, rule, authority, power. But power in the wrong hand is dangerous. We got, we got guided missiles in the hand of misguided men. See, we don't understand what power is. Some folk don't know how to handle power. Some of you all, I need to keep you right where you are because if I give you a mic, you'll ruin yourself. Some folk can't handle a mic, Kathy. They get up there talking to that mic. Hello. Let me tell you nothing. <laughs> what, what happened to him, Brad? I gave him a mic. God, if you don't give them a mic, they're all right. Let them stay right where they are. Some folk can't handle power. It goes to their head. But what I like about God's power, he know how to handle it. God is omnipotent, all-powerful. He know how to handle. That's why I'm so glad I'm kept by God's power. He can handle power. If you had power, you put a tornado over my house and the sun over yours. Better be glad that man doesn't have power over you. But you kept by, you, you know why you sitting here looking healthy and nice today? Kept by the power of God. Do you know why you still got your right mind? Some stuff some folk going through have lost their mind and you've been through it more than one time, still got your mind and some of you got the audacity to go around and kind of give folk a piece of your mind and keep on giving away your pieces. You ain't gonna have nothing left. You better stop giving away your pieces. You don't even have much already. I'm kept. I look back over 70 years. I know I didn't make it because Fleming was smart. I know I didn't make it because Fleming's a good preacher and a singer. Oh, no, no, no. That is not what kept me. I'm kept by the power of God. I know who God is. I know who provided for me. I know who's making the way. Kept by the power of God. That's why I can praise him. That's why I can't be dignified. That's why I can't let a few little degrees ruin my head. That's why I can't let my success go to my head. I still smile. When I go home to Megan, they always love me because he's still smiling, smiling Fleming. And I speak to anybody. I don't let success go to my head because I've been to the White House twice. I don't let success go to my head because I've been to Indian Africa and invited in Cuba and all in Egypt. I don't let success go to my head because I won an award as a, one of the greatest preachers in the nation and the New York Times wrote an article on me in September 1996 one of the most gifted preachers of this generation. I don't let all 
let go to my head because of my success. Show the pictures of my success, but listen to my story. I'm kept and I learned to stay humble at the feet of Jesus and never get too big for people. Man walked up to me the other day and members tried to stop him from me. I said, what you want, brother? He said, will you talk? I said, talk. I hugged him. He didn't smell good. But I hugged him, he embraced him. I said, hold your head up. He walked up and said, you're the only big preacher will hug me. I said, I'm not big, I'm a little preacher. Amen. I said, don't you see me? You much bigger than I am. That joker, when he put his arm around me, I was swallowed up. And the woman over, you heard her say, Jose's daughter said, he's not scared of them. He'll come down here and hug them and talk to the homeless. And she wants me to come every year. Don't let nothing get to your head. Whatever you got, God gave it to you. Members around here know they'll see me around here sweeping. Around here picking up on it. Members will see, Pastor, where did Pastor come take the broom? I, I sweep, I mop. If the journal don't do it, now I clean the bathroom too if you don't stop me. You know why? I know who gave it to us. And I don't I'd never get so big. This God's house. And whatever I do it is God's house. And I honor his house. And I keep it clean after 30 years in this building. I look so good. I take care of it. God's house. Honor God's house. God will bless you. Kept by the power of God. 